The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Read the first chapter, and uh, this is a, a text for the, today's sermon. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is the word of the Lord. So, when I was interviewing for Acts, they did what eventually I decided I thought was a challenge that they put in front of me. They sent me uh, a schedule of what was going to happen when they flew me and my wife down here. And the schedule was Saturday and Sunday, uh, and it started at 8 a.m., and it went until 9.30 p.m. And I had meetings the entire Saturday. And I would have a half an hour break to get from one to the next. And so it was like meeting with the staff, meeting with the elders, meeting with the management team, meeting with the youth. And it ended with meeting with the other Axe Church pastors. Uh, and the reason why I bring this up was because very early on, it was apparent to me that the idea that we were an Axe Church meant something. It was part of the foundation of who we are as the people of God. And as we go into the series called Acts, we're looking at the values that make us unique as a church. Because it didn't start with Acts Leander. We have a history uh, that goes back to another congregation that actually ties back to the original church from the book of Acts. But Acts Leander wasn't even the first Acts quote-unquote church. That came from a place called Axe Lakeway. Axe Lakeway started out as Crossbridge. And our district had looked at Lakeway and said, you know what, we really think there could be a new mission outpost there. And so they planted the church Crossbridge in 2001. And then for the next year, few years, Crossbridge did its church planting thing, kind of worked like a regular church would work. But about six years into it, they realized they had not only plateaued, but they had lost their identity, their reason for being a church in the area. Because one thing I've learned really quickly coming to Texas is that there are a lot of churches, right? Pretty much every corner you go to, there is going to be a Catholic church or a Lutheran church or a non-denominational church. Sometimes they're kitty-cornered to one another, right? And that's awesome. For the most part, Jesus is working in and every one of those congregations differently, uh, sometimes he works in spite of those congregations, and I will be honest, I get in his way a lot too, right? But there's this idea that there were already a lot of churches. 
And so they wanted to do some soul searching. They wanted to figure out what was going to make them unique as a church. What was their flavor going to look like? They brought in a guy named Pastor Pete Mueller, and they relaunched as Axe Church. And the reason why was when Pete came down, he's like, you know what, if we want to figure out what kind of church we want to be, we should probably look at the first church, the church from the book of Acts. And from that, they came up, oh, uh, actually, from that, they were looking at uh, some of the different issues that the original Acts church dealt with. So look at this list. Materialism, racism, government control, gossip, sexuality, the identity of Jesus, other religions, persecution. Still see any of these things that kind of identify with the current church today? Do we still try to figure out, well, who is Jesus really? Was he just a good teacher? Was he the Messiah? Was he the Son of God? What do we do with other religions? How do Christians interact with people of other faiths? What does racism look like today? How do different cultures interact with one another? Financial challenges. When you look at the book of Acts, and when the original Acts Lakeway looked at the book of Acts, they're like, wow, there are a lot of similarities between Roman culture and our current culture. And from there, from studying Acts, they came up with four values. That were cute, because you could line them all up, and it said Acts. Adventure, community, transformation, and sending. And the point of this wasn't that this is what every single church is supposed to be. They weren't making a blanket statement saying, if a church is not about adventure, community, sending, and transformation, you're not a real church. That wasn't where they were going. But what they did say was, as they studied the book of Acts, they saw these four values and they resonated with them. They're like, we're seeing this in the Bible. We're seeing this is what God is part of calling his people to, and specifically calling Acts Lakeway to. And so Acts Lakeway started to live out those values, and part of that was sending, and this idea that they didn't want to just be about their own congregation, their own building for an hour a week on Sundays, but they wanted to help create new mission outposts. So in 2012, they contacted the seminary and connected with a guy named Gabe Casper. He actually grew up about 20 miles from me, and our youth groups used to do stuff together. I know, that's why you got stuck with both of us. Anyway, he came down as the pastor, and he planted Axe Leander with the idea that that would be an independent congregation. They didn't report to Axe Lakeway, but we would share the same kind of DNA, same kind of heart. And so when y'all flew me down here last year, part of what you wanted me to experience was, are you cool with this DNA? Are you all right with this foundation, this uniqueness that makes us a church? And so every year, we go through those values again. For people like me, who weren't here the last time we went through the values. So we can understand, oh, this is where God is calling us as a church. And so today, we're looking at adventure. And when I typed adventure into the almighty Google, this is the definition that came up. To adventure, engage in hazardous and exciting activity especially the exploration of unknown territory. When you look at the book of Acts, everything was unknown territory. This is a brand new religion, right? This was something new that God was doing among his people. And while Judaism used to just focus on Israel and the country of Israel, now God was sending them out to the world 
He had a plan not just for one country, but for the whole globe. It was all new territory. And when you read through the book of Acts, just from a narrative perspective, it's full of adventure. You've got people put in jail. You've got armies going at it. You've got uh, internal tension with the church, the church's tension with the community. It's full of adventure. And this was from our reading today. After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was indeed alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which is you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. Jesus starts off the book of Acts, the first church. He says, I'm going to send you. You're going to go on a journey. And he says, this adventure you're on has a purpose. Twofold. A, to be a witness to the good news of who Jesus is. But then B, to be the beginning of the kingdom of God to a broken world. Jesus says, you watched me for three and a half years. His closest followers had seen him heal the sick, had seen him talk differently about community, had talked differently about family, had talked differently about what religion was supposed to be. He dies, he comes back to life, and after proving, no, I really am alive, he says, now I'm going to send you out. And you're going to be my representatives. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to let people know that God really does love them. So much so that he was willing to die for them. To do something new. And that's the second part of this. Acts starts off by saying Jesus proved he was alive, and then he taught them about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, and we've talked about this a bunch this year, is not a future place. When we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're not purely talking about eternity. For certain, eternity is part of the kingdom of God, but what Jesus taught was that, he, that the kingdom of God, the reign of God, started with him. It was the reason why he taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer isn't God, but praying one day in some de- uh, off future that your kingdom will come. But here and now, on this earth, Lord, we're asking for your reign. We're asking for your beauty. We're asking for you to show up and do something like you showed up and did something when Jesus was here. We talked about how one of the ways you could actually translate the kingdom of God is Jesus appeared to them over 40 days and spoke about God's future. What God intended to do in the world. 
And so when we talk about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, well, in heaven, is anyone hungry? No. So here on earth, we don't want anyone to be hungry. In heaven, do we have racism? No. Everyone's created in God's image. So we pray, God, here on earth, help us deal with racism. In heaven, is anyone ostracized from community? Is anyone separated? No. And so we pray and we bring God's kingdom, God's reign, here on earth as it is in heaven. And so this adventure that he sends us on is a purpose. And the heartbeat of that purpose is the story of Christ. It's not the story of his disciples being really good people and figuring it out. No, that is definitely not the story. You go through Acts and it's really apparent, wow, you use some messy people, Jesus. Right? But the story is, is a God who specializes in messy people. A God who dies for messy people. And then a God who sends messy people out with the message about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. And to start to bring a little bit of the kingdom of God, God's future, here to earth. We have an adventure with a purpose. The story goes on, and we start to learn how the followers live out this adventure. This comes uh, early on in the church movement. And they start talking about who Jesus is, and the pastors of the time, the rabbis of the time, they're not on board. They're like, ah, we're still, jury's out of this Jesus guy. You're teaching some new stuff. You're rocking the boat. Religion is supposed to be what happens in the temple, not what happens out here. And so the priests get together and they're like, what are we going to do with these Jesus folk? And this is what they say. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Peter and John were fishermen. They worked with their hands. They didn't go to seminary. They didn't spend their whole lives reading the Old Testament. And yet, they're amazed with the boldness that they're talking about. They also recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right among them, there was nothing that the council could say. So this is right after they performed a miracle. Right after a little bit of heaven comes to earth. A little bit of God's kingdom comes in. They had healed someone who was lame. And so they're looking at, wow, God did something but we're not okay with the message. So the the conversation goes on. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves, what should we do with these men, they asked. We can't deny that they performed a miraculous sign and everyone in Jerusalem knows about it, but to keep them from spreading the propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back and commanded them never again to teach or speak in the name of Jesus. So the religious folk are like, no, 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 we're not okay with this. What the uh, apostles' responses, they pray. And this is what they pray. And now, Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servant, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After the prayer, the meeting shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with great boldness. Eleven times in Acts, Luke, the author, points out the boldness of the early church talking about Jesus. 
the boldness about what God was up to and about willing to lay it all on the line, put it all on the field. They believed so deeply in what Jesus was doing, why Jesus had come, the mission and the adventure that he had sent them on. That boldness is what they were known for. Audacity is what they were known for. That the religious leaders, the priests, the people like me, came in and said, no, 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 this is out of bounds. And their response is, no, our God is not out of bounds. And they brought both, did you catch that? The teaching of Jesus, but also the prayer was, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through your name of your Holy Spirit, or your holy servant Jesus. The prayer was for the kingdom of God to come. And the prayer was the boldness to be able to testify to what Jesus was up to. Later on in the story of the early church, Paul and Silas were preaching with boldness. That got them in trouble. The religious folk had them thrown in prison. They were starting a new religion, which in Rome was illegal. So they get thrown in jail. And they're praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prayer prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. So imagine this, right? You're thrown in jail for talking about Jesus. So you're sitting there, you're praying, you're singing. Earthquake happens and all of a sudden, all the chains are gone. The door flies open. And the jailer wakes up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now that might seem like a really, really strong escalation for the jailer, right? But the, the, the truth was, in Roman times, if you were a jailer, you were in charge of the jail, and if you screwed up that charge, if someone got away, they killed you. They took that person's punishment out on you, and the whole jail's gone. Rome wasn't just going to execute this guy. Rome was going to torture this guy. Then they were going to execute him. And yet what happens? But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because remember, he knows why they're there. They were talking about this Jesus guy. That got him thrown in prison. And then apparently God shows up. And in his mind, he can connect the dots. Oh, there's something different about these guys. And so his response is, tell me the story. They reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had, become, he had come to believe in God, he and his whole Paul and Silas, the early church, were on an adventure. It was filled with purpose. It was filled with boldness, which led to joy. 
And the difference between joy and happiness are distinct. Happiness actually comes from the word happenings, which comes from the Greek and the Latin circumstances. So by its definition, happiness depends on your circumstances. Are you feeling healthy? You're happy. Got money in the bank? You're happy. Got a new job, got a promotion. Good circumstances equals happiness. What's interesting is that the Bible never once references that Greek form of happiness. But it does talk about joy. Because joy's root is something completely different. Joy means calm delight. It's deeper than external earthly circumstances. And what we see in Acts is a church that is filled with joy, and that joy starts to spread out. And it connects with new types of people. It connects with the jailer. It connects with new cultures. It connects with new languages. It connects with new communities. And as the early church heads out on that adventure, connects with God. They find purpose. They find boldness. They find movement going forward. But here's the deal, guys. The adventure isn't safe. Oftentimes, there are churches, definitely in America, that talk about, if you're good with God, God is going to be good to you. It's going to be easy. Life's going to go all the ways you want it to. And all that happiness, all those circumstances that you want, God is going to give to you. Well, the main protagonist of Acts had a different experience. He was following Jesus. No one would say, well, you know what? Paul just wasn't Christian enough, right? But Paul, when he's recounting his own experiences, writes this to the book, uh, to the church in Corinth. He says, are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this, but I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Now just listen to this. This almost gets laughable by the time it's done. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and night in open sea. I have constantly been on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, bandits, fellow Jews, Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. This is not a safe adventure that we go on. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be times where your boldness doesn't just make people raise their eyebrows, but they respond with mocking or with sarcasm. In parts of the world, they respond with swords and guns. And yet, this adventure that we're called on is good. One of my favorite lines of all books, all time, comes from the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, and the kids are trying to follow the lion. They find out it's a lion, Aslan, and they're like, that doesn't sound very safe. And the response is safe. Who said anything about safe? But it's good. And the adventure that we are on is good. The adventure that we are on leads to real life change. 
real community chains. It leaves everything it touches better, closer to God, filled with that deep joy that the world can't provide, that the circumstances can't provide. And so when we go on that adventure with our God, when we allow ourselves to be caught into the purpose of proclaiming Jesus, of bringing his kingdom, the boldness to speak it clearly and often, we get that joy. And so even when Paul faced all those hardships, he didn't look back and be like, wow, I screwed up. I wasted my life. No, his response was, I'm leaving it all on the field. Because the adventure, the purpose, led to something deeper than the world could offer. And as a church, that's part of our DNA. We want to have that same boldness. We want to find that same joy. We want to live in that same purpose. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a God who invites us into deeper relationship with you deeper relationship with each other, but then as a church, you have a plan for us. Lord, you have a purpose for us. Lord, to proclaim Jesus clearly, the story, the narrative of a God who redeems, who specializes in broken people. Lord, we need your boldness, though. We need your Holy Spirit to empower us. Lord, and we pray that that joy, that deep, calm delight, leaves us forever changed but equally as important, leaves our communities, our families, our friends closer to you. Lord, we pray this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.